0: Hello, hello, hello. This is going to be chapter three. And thank you again if you made it this far. I hope you're enjoying uh, trying my best in the unofficial audio version to give you a clean as possible. Sometimes I do repeat myself just in case I feel like I've flubbed a word. However, this is more about speed getting you the story, so I haven't done. The official one obviously will be edited truly clean where you're not getting like Weird breaths and stuff like that. So, trying my hardest. If my voice gets shot halfway through, I apologize. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is the continuation of Lucid Sacred Dreams, written by Conrad Gardapi, which is me, narrated by me, Conrad Gardapi. Chapter 3, Boot Camp. K. Certain memories from the past are easy to remember as if they happened yesterday. Navy boot camp falls under this category. Sweat poured from my face to the marble ground below me, the first time someone yelled at me to do push-ups until told to stop. There I was, in comparison to my peers. I was an old and out-of-shape dude masquerading as a recruit in a young person's athletic world. I was like them once, able to eat anything with no regard for amount or content, just living to enjoy flavor and indulging in the gluttonous levels of food intake allowed to an everyday American— Times have changed, though, and my metabolism had slowed down. Getting in shape was a painful process early on in my boot camp training. Truth be told, being out of shape was a recent event. In fact, it wasn't until a month or two before I departed for Great Lakes, Illinois, that things went south. How on earth did I plump up to 181 pounds? I've been scrawny and about 145 pounds since forever. was carbs and despair, sugar and too much time. Cold, wintry, Syracuse, New York days meant I spent long stretches of time bundled up on the couch. I was a 29-year-old who chose to join the enlisted ranks of the United States Navy. Those are some life choices, huh? What a way to step up the plate. Don't worry. If you think 29 was old to join the military, know this. I would be 30 a week after I graduated boot camp, so the joke got deeper. Voila. I was Freedom's latest and greatest recruit to join the fighting. One, two, three, and four. I can't hear you. I can't. That was horrible. (laughs) I'm sorry. What was that accent I put at the end? Let me try again. I don't want to scream right now. Voila, I was Freedom's latest and greatest recruit to join the fighting. One, two, three, and four. I can't hear you. More push-ups, more pain. The die had been cast and the curtain drawn, and my journey continued full steam ahead. How did I manage to pass boot camp? At first, as I began to shed my doughy exterior, it felt a bit daunting, but it was ultimately quite easy in reality. It was more of a mental game. I needed to defeat boredom and avoid overreacting when getting yelled at by people who were just playing a role, requiring them to test your buttons and make sure you know how to fold and store uniforms. Sure, there was some running, a few push-ups, and a whole lot of marching, all circling around three square meals a day. It was robotic and monotony, meant to adapt your brain to a new reality. You were physical property of the United States government. Anyone who has been to boot camp in the Navy would probably laugh right now if they heard any of this. They know the inside jokes someone can only understand if they've experienced them firsthand. The snide snide remarks about the one person who freaks out early in boot camp and is whisked away, never to be seen again. The individuals who found a way to be sick for the majority of boot camp, meaning they literally just lay in their rack the majority of their time, yet still miraculously graduate on time. The long waiting lines for medical shots while standing at attention. And, of course, no one can forget the bi-weekly phone calls that led to the endless tears from recruits who'd never been away from home that long. Lastly, the twisted and a bit pathetic recruits who started dating at boot camp only to pretend it never happened when they hugged their actual significant other at boot camp graduation. It was a unique experience looking back now and knowing how the story of boot camp would end, even if it felt like a never-ending prison sentence at the time that seemingly refused to end should probably rewrite that. I don't like how I put N twice there. Time, I suppose, is the greatest test over the course of boot camp, which makes sense to me in terms of training. For most who join the Navy and head out onto ships to sail all over the world, the ability to handle long stretches of boring nothingness will be the great controller and influencer of mental stability. People who join are stuck on a ship in the middle of the ocean with nothing to do but take note of times ever slow yet persistent. Tick-tock-tick. Tick. How individuals do... 20 to 30 years of a Navy career out at sea is beyond me. Then again, I joined late. If I joined at 18, I would have theor- theoretically been close to retirement a few years from now. And I still feel as if I have plenty of life to live and experience. So who am I, so who am I to judge? Of course, boot camp wasn't 100% boring. In fact, I've debated the reality of one incident for years. It was neither boring nor a long drawn out experience like the normal kinds of events where I could easily remember the ins and outs of everything that taking place. no, this was more dream than real, based on the encounter and the truth is that I wondered for years whether what I had experienced was in fact real or not. In the middle of the never-ending monotony of boot camp, there came a strange diversion from the path all recruits seemed to take. during one of the many marches my division took over to the medical building, I was taken aside in a sketchy way. Many hours of boot camp consisted of waiting side by side next uh, side by side next with next to thousands of recruits for my turn to get poked and prodded. Our medical records had to be fully fleshed out in order to make us deployable ready. One day, I'd get a bunch of shots in my arm. The next, I'd get my teeth examined for the second or third time. It was during one of these dental days that this strange event went down. It started normally enough. I was waiting amongst my fellow recruits to see if I'd be called for this or that. Eventually, I did. I figured it would be to see what thing they wanted to do with my teeth that day. A Navy corpsman walked walked me to what I thought was a dental room. It was a little strange because the rooms usually had multiple chairs set up near each other, full of busy medical workers. This room was different. There was no dental chair, and the door was shut. I waited for several minutes, then I considered leaving, thinking the corpsman had made a mistake. If I hadn't been so new to the Navy and hadn't been worried about getting yelled at, I probably would have left. You need to understand that during this stage of boot camp, every little move you made was super scrutinized. Since my strategy was to slide through without gathering attention, I stayed put, and waited. Eventually, a door opened. Uh, sorry. Eventually, the door opened opposite the entrance I entered. In walked an officer, something highly unusual for this setting. You very rarely ever saw officers at boot camp. And to compensate, we were trained to salute petty officers we encountered instead, which is hilarious in retrospect because those are just merely enlisted like myself, only a few years ahead in the game of recruits. Fear of status and importance overcame me as I was suddenly mortified. An officer out of the blue was paying attention to me. Oh, the horror and fear. I quickly stood up, not really sure about his rank at the time, but fully aware it was far north of mine. I just mumbled out a sloppy greeting to him. I know now that he was lieutenant, but I was still learning back then and what all, the, all the collar symbols meant. He was quick to respond, saying, Good morning, Seaman Recruit Gardopy. I'm Lieutenant Daniels, and I need you to follow me. Being the good Navy recruit I was, I did exactly as he instructed, and we went down a skinny hallway to an exit door that left the building. Waiting for me was a van with a driver, and the lieutenant ordered me to get in. I didn't know what to think, but I followed the order. I figured I must have been in trouble. There's an event at boot camp all recruits attend. In a giant room, a group of leaders tell all recruits that governmental agencies look through our paperwork we filled out prior to coming to boot camp to see what discrepancies and lies we've told. They tell us that agencies like the NSA will figure out if we were, we were essentially criminals trying to escape our past and that we need to stand up if we're worried. They claim they can help us through this ordeal. It's called the moment of truth. A group of us were verbally assaulted for 15 minutes about how we need to fess up to being criminals. Every few minutes, they stop for small breaks where we're told in unison to shout out the Navy's motto, honor, courage, commitment. What's really happening is that they hope to identify and kick out recruits with sketchy sketchy backgrounds that may become problematic in terms of manning ships in the future. There's no mass government agency pouring through paperwork for thousands of recruits monthly. Instead, this moment is designed for suspect people who are paranoid they may have done something bad in the past. The idea is that they'll give themselves up by standing up and raising their hands. The The recruits who stood up were hurried away on the spot, never to be seen again. I see it for what it is now, but back then, of course, I was petrified. I thought everything being sold to me was as real as it projected itself to be. I joined with a few parking tickets I'd never paid. As I got into the van, I was confident this is what this was all about. I knew I was about to be separated from the Navy because I didn't stand up during the moment of truth a few days earlier. The drive was only a few minutes to the other side of base. We parked in front of a small building with no identifiable signs or markings. Both the driver and Lieutenant Daniels stepped out of the vehicle. They slid the back door open and told me to follow them into the building. Lieutenant Daniels led me to a door and opened it. He instructed me to go inside and sit down. Then he wished me good luck, which I thought was a bit odd. It was the first time I ever saw him or the driver. It was the last time I ever saw him or the driver. I waited for three to four minutes before a man wearing a suit entered the room. He sat across from me and placed some paperwork on a table. My nerves were on full blast, to say the least, as I waited to see what this individual had to say to me. Finally, he began to speak. "'Mr. Gardipi, first off, you look nervous. You're not in trouble. In fact, it's quite the opposite.' This helped, but it made my mind erased. Why was I alone with this individual who wasn't wearing a military uniform? Why was he the one telling me I wasn't in trouble? He showed me his credentials. I recognized the three letters next to his ID badge immediately. In a way, in a way too brightly lit, small, white-walled room, I listened to a government official offer up a role I never would have dreamed of undertaking. I listened to a man offer me a job, something that seemed too theatric to be real. Mr. Gardopy, the man said, The federal government sometimes needs to monitor itself or its own military. This is what we do. We identify individuals who we view as potential assets to help us deliver or promote our goals and plans for the betterment of the military, government, and citizens we are tasked to protect. It was also generalized yet intoxicating to hear. Who doesn't want to be special with a unique goal? Who doesn't want to believe they could be chosen from amongst the masses for a special project? Am I guilty for excitedly thinking this was my moment to finally be something of worth? I asked for more specifics, but it seemed to make him speak in more even more generalities. The point being made was this. A certain group had identified me, but I had to prove myself by finishing boot camp and trekking forward in my military career. Once I proved I was capable of the little and easy things, they would return when the time was right. My thoughts were on full blast. I had Marine friends tell me about their boot camp experiences in the past that involved a bit of psychological manipulation to flesh out the weak-minded. My friends told me how, within the very first hours of boot camp, they, f- they were forced to experience what I considered the Marines' version of the moment of truth. Their moment of truth involved entering a room and watching a news report showing as fate would have it, World War III had just essentially started due to a recent nuclear attack on our country which had taken place earlier in the day. As a result, the recruits were told by their leaders that their boot camp processing was trimming down to a week because they were going to be fast-tracked to join the front lines of this new war. The recruits were told, however, that anyone who was too nervous for the fast-track training should stand up to be identified as wanting to still receive the traditional, albeit longer, boot camp experience since that's what they legally signed up for. Anyone who stood up was kicked out. It was just the first test to see who wasn't brave enough to join the few and proud. With stories like this in mind, I began to wonder if every recruit in Navy boot camp was at some point whisked away and promised a special task. Perhaps this was just to motivate me to think I was special and different. I thought it would be wise to keep my cover by buying into the group think that was forced down my throat as a know-nothing recruit. The suited man continued his pitch. Mr. Gardepi, I assure you this is real and I'd love to tell you more. But the fact is, I can't just blurb out everything to try and convince someone that this is a good move. Yes, you will need to have some faith that this will be worth it. Having said this, all we're looking for today is a yes from you. And, of course, patience. Honestly, I had no idea what saying yes or no would mean. But I had joined the military to jumpstart my life. Saying yes seemed to be in the good spirit of my original choice. My decision was made. I said yes. What happened next is where things became fuzzy. He escorted me to a room and said that this was the best decision i had ever made. The room looked medical in design, and there were several people who looked and acted like doctors waiting for me there. I was told that they had to do some examinations to make up for the fact that I had been pulled from an actual medical to come here. Certainly, it was ignorance of the unknown, but I blindly trusted them. I sat on a dental chair they placed on an air mask over my head. Within seconds, I was out cold. All I remember was being in the middle of asking what dental procedure they were going to do. After that, I saw just darkness with the occasional dream that was hard to describe. The dreams were completely outlandish in nature from the fragments I remember. These dreams were like nothing I'd experienced before. They were filled with feelings of violence and fear, making them nightmarish and confusing. Confusing. Also, they were filled with bright flashes and chaos. People talk to me in pattern, rhythmic tones. It's almost as if ideas were being placed in my brain from some outside source. It's almost as if if my brain wasn't dreaming on its own merit, but it was more like someone was directing my brain to see and experience certain things for some specific purpose. This is all I remember. Suddenly, I woke up back in my barracks, far from this mysterious small building. Being on the bottom of the two-bed bunk, I hit my head hard on the metal frame above me when I jerked upright upon waking. It was dark, which meant I had been out for hours. Sweat seeped from my pores as my sudden jolt woke up my rack mate above me. He quickly asked me how I was doing. He told me I'd been sleeping all day and that I was dehydrated at, medica- at medical earlier that day, and passed out while our division was waiting for their various exams. Dehydration. I Passed out. How? This led to confusion on my part. He got down from his rack and walked me to the water fountain. I asked him what happened after I passed out, but he didn't. But he said he didn't see it directly. He just heard about it later, and he and a few other folks helped me back to the barracks after the fact. His story made me suspicious, but the truth was, here I was, safe and sound with no memory how I arrived. After getting water, I lay back in my rack. I didn't fall asleep the rest of the night. Instead, my mind wandered back to my earlier encounter. Was it a dream? Was it real? It felt so real, but it ended so suddenly, plus the contents of the experience had been a bit theatrical. Remember, I passed out years earlier when I landed on my head in the basketball court— So I know what it's like to be fully aware, only to fall into a daze immediately with no warning or memory of it. Awareness can be a funny thing, though. I have several friends who have been in serious motorcycle accidents, but unfortunately have lived to tell of their experiences. One friend flew off his bike 50 feet when he was hit from behind. He said he didn't regain awareness until he was actually holding his helmet in his left hand and had already walked a good distance to pick up his bike. So... On one hand, he was existing in this realm of reality, making physical choices, but his awareness didn't return until several moments later, according to his memory. What type of imagination does it take to create a false memory? Probably an injured one. So yes, I woke up in my rack with certainly a vivid and powerful one for sure. But real? There resides the key question. Likewise, I have a vibrant imagination at times, too. For example, since I was a kid... I've loved making up fake scenarios in my head to pass the time when I'm doing something boring, like school, for long stretches of time. My imagination has always been at play, leading to some memories from when I was young. For example, elementary school. It was there you could find me drowning out the teacher's voice as I stared at the sun's rays pouring through an open window. The beams of light revealed those tiny dust particles floating around which we never notice under normal light. I watched a countless number of particles floating through the air as the scene reminded me of the chaotic space battles from the Star Wars movies. Gazing at the floating particles, I would spend long school days and hours watching these pretend battles play out, building fake storylines along the way, and that was just me as a kid watching dust. Yes, my imagination could run wild, and I wondered if my new and stress-inducing situation was getting the best of me. I wondered if perhaps I dreamed it all up. I eventually thought that I, of course, dreamed it up. I'm not James Bond or Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible. I was just a recruit trying to get from point A to point B. An active choice on my part was made as I decided not to ask anyone about what happened after my Iraq mate gave me the counter narrative to my experience. I didn't want to dig deeper, and I again reminded myself that I didn't want to raise attention at boot camp. And I didn't want people to think I was crazy. As a result, I stayed silent. It didn't take me long to get over it in my mind and move on from the incident. Yes, I would still wander back to that memory, and yes, every once in a while, I would have a dream that felt unnatural. Overall, though, I just fell back into the rhythm of everyday military life. The rest of boot camp was more waiting, marching and much of nothing with the occasional exciting but very event occurring such as the gas confidence chamber or the day we got to shoot guns we learned how to tie knots and how to moor a ship to appear how to cast it off so the ship could leave for open waters the culmination of the boot camp experience is a day long event called battle stations essentially it's a bunch of scenarios we played out in a replica ship where we learn how to correctly react to situations that took place in the navy's past to make a long story short, you learn how to defend the ship during an attack or how to react when the attack damages the ship and leaves casualties. At the end of it, the leaders of your division replace the recruit hat you've been forced to wear with an official Navy hat. Then you receive your first salute as an official member of the Navy. They play the star-spangled banner, and plenty of tears flow as you salute the flag. Not normally one for buying into procedure and order. Even I was certainly proud during this moment. I set a goal and accomplished it, even if it wasn't too difficult in reality. The point was that I made a decision and acted, choosing to follow through, and I wanted to improve my life and take care of those I loved, and this was a major step in that direction. Before I knew it, I was hugging the love of my life and family at graduation. Before I joined, I remember watching the Navy boot camp graduation ceremony on YouTube. Hundreds of newly minted sailors marched in dress whites, doing all sorts of fancy-facing movements and repeating all sorts of lines to impress everyone who had shown up to support them on this life-changing day. Here I was, a boot camp graduate and a member of the military ready to serve my country. Putting aside the weird and possibly dreamed interactions from weeks earlier, I was on my way pushing forward in my career. Next up was a short break from the military over the weekend. Then the next step forward in becoming an Aegis Fire Controlman, which involved going across the street to Great Lakes Illinois training facilities where I would attend school over the course of the next year. The mirage of that one incident faded away as time passed, replaced by my new reality. I was now living a completely different life compared to the one I left in New York. The journey would continually. Oh, sorry. The journey would continue, seemingly on track as any young sailor would expect. That's the end of chapter three. So, that's three chapters in. At this stage of the game, uh, I've told you backstory sort of about my 20s, head injuries, how I, I wouldn't say I walked away from the idea of God, but I certainly walked away from the uh, structure of the Christian church. Um, And then uh, love entered my life, and in order to provide, I joined the military. In particular, I joined the United States Navy. (laughs) And this was the boot camp experience, and I'm going to let you make the determinations moving forward. So I won't say any more than that. So that's where we're at. That's three chapters in. Uh, again, thank you if you've listened this far. So hope you enjoyed. And I'll just cut this one short. Nothing else to say. Oh, it's about 20 minutes. That's good. See, those are good levels for chapters. Uh, how'd you like that voice? It's kind of got a little Southern Twain to it, the mystery man. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much if you've listened. I'm going to continue recording. And that's just that. Thank you.